0: Go ahead and open in your Bibles, if you'd like to, to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be in a couple of other places, but that will be an opening statement. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. And God gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the giftings of the In the body of Christ, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that's been poured out to us. That Jesus, when you ascended on high, you did not leave us as orphans. That you gave us your own spirit to be with us to the very close of the age. And that God, you have gifted and you have ordained your body to bring us into maturity, to bring us into unity. Father, I pray you would do those very things and that you would raise up your fivefold in this earth in our day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in part two of our series, Why Not Women? We've got a lot going on up here, as you can see. Um, And uh, something I forgot to mention last week is that the inspiration for the title of this series, and, and a good chunk of the content, is a book by Lauren Cunningham, Called Why Not Women? <laughs> so I have taken his title, and I've uh, I've taken some of his material, and then drawn from a, a number of others as well. But um, so I would I would highly recommend this book to anybody in here. He is the founder and, and of Youth with a Mission and uh, the largest missions organization in the world. And uh, this man is so incredible in the amount of empowering of women in the ministry that he's done in cultures that you would have never have dreamed this were possible, in, um, um, even in our day. So I um, highly recommend that. Another book I've been drawing a lot from to um, help sharpen my scriptural exegesis is uh, a book called Paul, Wives, and Women by Craig Keener. He, uh, um, he takes a much more in-depth approach, is uh, going through the nitty-gritty of each of the particular passages that people are uh, debating on this topic. Um, so, um, so I highly recommend both of these sources. So just a quick recap from last week, in case you weren't here, that we talked about why not women, opening up with Genesis chapter 1, male and female created together in the image of God, and together commissioned to take dominion and to rule the earth. We spoke a bit, more than briefly, about Acts chapter 10 through 15, and the coming of Gentiles into the kingdom of God, and what a change in understanding this was for the Jewish body of believers. And this, this affected everything, and it took a dramatic revelation of God to Peter, and then subsequent testimonial evidence of the Holy Spirit moving powerfully in the house of Cornelius, in the ministry of of Paul and Barnabas as they're going into the Gentile towns and seeing numerous signs and wonders and converts and and churches established. Um, And and these events were so key in this hot topic debate of their day, which was, what do we require of Gentiles that come into the kingdom? Um, So... We also uh, discussed a dream that I had back in 2010. And uh, I don't mean to put myself on the level of authority in the body of Christ as Peter, the, uh, the, the one on whom Jesus said, on the rock, <laughs> I will build my church. Um, um, and the revelation that he received as Jesus as uh, Jesus the Son of God and the Messiah. Um, but, but, but for me, at least, this was a jolting uh, um, um, experience that I had that is really the reason I'm standing up and declaring this to you today. And um, I want to quote this because I think it's important, is that the main thing that I was declaring in the dream before a congregation of about 200 people, both men and women of all ages, was this very thing. The Lord is raising up women as prophets. There will be women apostles, women prophets, women evangelists, women pastors, and women teachers. And I wasn't liked by everyone that heard that declaration in the dream. So uh, the numbers, it, you know how Jesus, sometimes he preaches a message that gains a lot of followers, and then he preaches another message and he loses a few. That's kind of what happened in my dream. Um, but, um, but we also went over testimonies of women in, uh, in, in gifted positions, even in leadership positions, in both Old and New Testaments. Um, um, and uh, that is so important. I just want to, I, I have to reiterate, um, because it, it will affect how we view some of the passages that we're going to look at today. It will, um, and I want to address a couple of things because a couple um, of, of uh, the women that I mentioned, as is, is some people pointed out to me um, in, in the New Testament that were mentioned as leaders, one was Nympha, in Colossians 4.15, that she had a church that met in her house, that some of our Bible translations actually put that as a man, um, nymphos. Another is Junia in Romans 16, who uh, Paul says is outstanding among the apostles, and even a fellow prisoner of the Lord. Um, um, so someone whose ministry, she was uh, put on the line for her faith and, um, and had apostolic influence. In the in the body of Christ, so some translations translate Junia as a male as well, um, and especially if you're reading from the New King James or the or the King James version, um, and the reason for that is is that a lot of the the more uh, translations that we have today such as the New American Standard, which I love, the new international version, uh, the new uh, the new electronic translation, the NET. A, a number of other reliable translations list both of these individuals as women. And just I don't have time to go into all of the reasons that that is, um, but basically in the past 400 years we've gained access to earlier, and more reliable Greek manuscripts than the King James version was using when it was translated. Now, does that does not mean throw away your King James Bible, <laughs> but it does mean that the King James is not the only translation you should read. There will people, there are not many, but that will fight me on that, um, and I will disagree with them to the very end. Um, so, look at these passages in in multiple translations, and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and lead us in this very thing. So um, today we're going to look at uh, a couple of passages from the Apostle Paul. So Paul, in his writings, he discusses the roles of both men and women in, in the family and in the church context. And we're focusing this series on what it looks like in church context, specifically leadership Um, um, roles. Um, There will be a follow-up series that John and Tracy are together going to lead after I complete this series on marriage that will talk about the relationships and partnership between men and women in marriage. Um, And it's not to just talk about women or just men, it's men and women partnering together. So please uh, come for those uh, teachings in the coming weeks. So what we're going to look at today is 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 Timothy 2. So you can go ahead and turn um, turn to 1 Corinthians 14, but then go ahead and put your thumb or some kind of bookmark in 1 Timothy 2. Now, these passages have a lot of things that we could talk about today, and I don't have um, time, unless you're willing to stay here with me for quite a bit of, of, of uh, more than a few moments. Um, but uh, because I'm not going to cover every detail and I'm not going to answer every question and objection to the view that I am proposing today, um, so I have uh, had our uh, um, uh, team of, of ushers put a note card in each of your chairs, and uh, what you can do is you can write down a question or two or three or, you know, however many questions come to your mind um, that uh, they, that uh, while I'm teaching. And so you can write them down, and, um, and there's a box at the very back. If you see this little white shoe box right next to the bathrooms on this black table, um, at the end of service, you can go and put your note card in that little box. And you can leave this anonymous. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, um, um, uh, Accuse anybody of hating me, you know. If there's any type of question there that you know I don't like, I do ask that you be nice. Um, But uh, but place that in the box, and I just want to give everybody the freedom to write on these cards, men and women. And so, wives, if you see your husbands writing down something, you know, don't assume, you know, that they don't <laughs> think you're awesome. Um, um, ladies, if you see your, your brother next to you writing down a question or, or vice versa, let's not assume anything about anyone writing a question other than they have a question and they want some clarification, okay? So you're all free <laughs> to write down a question. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, if we can get the slides up. I have it on the top on uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34 to 35. says this, The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but are to subject themselves, just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, For it is improper for a woman to speak in church. Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? So a few things I want to point out about this verse is, uh, first of all, that Paul says women are to keep silent in the churches. Pretty intense. Number two, uh, that women are not permitted to speak, but have to subject themselves. And he even appeals to the teaching of the law. Number three, if they want to learn, he tells them they have to go home and ask their husbands questions. And number four, he says very plainly, it's improper for women to speak in churches. 1 Timothy 2, verse 9 through 15 says this. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by the means of good works, as it is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Man. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. few things to point out from this passage. First of all, it, Paul says to women to wear modest clothing. Number two, no braided hair. No gold or pearls or expensive clothing. So if what you're wearing today, ladies, is from Neiman Marcus, from Nordstrom Rack, not Nordstrom Rack, Nordstrom Rack's fine, but Nordstrom. (laughs) (laughs) Nordstrom Rack's where I go. Um, Actually, I don't because they don't have anything for really slim guys. Um, So I have to go other places, but that's okay. So, um, um, this passage in the first century might have, you know, caused the hair on your neck to stand up a little bit. Um, So, uh, thirdly, they are to receive instruction with entire submissiveness, submissiveness. And number four, no teaching or exercising authority over a man but to remain quiet. Okay, Matthew, these are really, seem to be really intense, really straightforward passages about this subject. Yet last week you told me that women are allowed and even called to serve in all levels of church leadership, including the fivefold and including senior leadership and elders. So what's going on? A couple of points I want to make first um, is that I am standing from the place, and this is really important when it comes to interpretation, is that the scriptures are divine revelation that these have been inspired by the Holy Spirit, and they're given for our instruction. So we can use and rely on the Scriptures to develop our theology and to determine what godly living is to look like. Um, Secondly, I'm saying that these passages are genuinely written by the Apostle Paul. A number of people today in liberal scholarship have taken these very passages I have read and said that they were additions. Or that even the first the book of First Timothy was not even written by Paul, but someone different entirely. Um, I do not believe wh- that that is where we need to go, as, as in the same way that liberal scholarship has taken. And I, I it to me, it we risk a danger of a cut and paste method that can leave us into all sorts of trouble and 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 um, even heresy. Um, so, um, so that's those are the positions I'm taking. Um, So, but then what do we do with these? What do we do with the way they've been interpreted? And and my heart is that we say, Holy Spirit, teach us. You are the one that leads us into all truth. And when we look at a scripture, we want to examine it as best as we can in its context, which involves both the whole book at large, um, um, the whole Bible at large, um, but also its cultural context. What is Paul doing? because even people that would disagree with the conclusions that I am uh, um, positing to you today would agree that there are commandments and there are instructions in Scripture that have a timeless application to all people of all cultures, and there are commandments and instructions in Scripture that have a cultural context and relevance. Yet I would also add that even in a lot of those culturally contextual uh, commandments that there's a universal principle to take. Um, and this is, again, these are people that disagree with what I'm going to argue today and to declare today um, would would agree on these very things, um, at least most of them. So, 1 Corinthians 14. What do we do with these passages about women keeping silent? First of all, we've... Uh, What's important in reading the whole context of this book is that if we read a few chapters earlier in 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, namely, that Paul talks about women praying and prophesying in the assembly. And so if he's telling them, if he's permitting and acknowledging praying and prophesying women in chapter 11, I want to take that into close consideration when I read chapter 14. So what is this talking about? Well, the context of chapters 12 through 14 in 1 Corinthians in general is talking about the spiritual gifts in orderly church worship. Craig Keener, author of this book, Paul, Wives and Women, his thesis is is basically this, and I think this is very helpful to point out, that we look at 1 Corinthians 14 The issue here is not regarding women teaching. The issue in this passage is women learning and how they are to learn. I'm quoting Craig Keener here, Paul was addressing relatively uneducated women who were disrupting the service with irrelevant questions. The immediate remedy for this situation was for them to stop asking such questions. The long-term solution was to educate them. So what is he saying here? Is that that in 1 Corinthians, in that particular church, and possibly some other surrounding churches, um, that, um, that Paul, um, as they're gathering together in the church service, that there is lots of... Um, um, interruption, lots of chaos going on with people speaking in tongues, people prophesying, people speaking out of order. And when it comes to the prophetic in tongues, Paul is saying to them, okay, look guys, let's kind of, let's do this one at a time. You know, we, you've all been gathering around, everyone just shouting over each other. You're freaking the new people out. So let's uh, put some reins on this for a little bit. So what his prescription was for prayer, uh, for, for prophesying and for speaking in tongues was let, uh, if someone's going to prophesy, just pick two or three people and, and, and let one after another do this. Okay? Wait your turn. If you have a tongue, ask for an interpretation or seek someone with an interpretation. And if you don't have an interpretation, what does he say to him? He says, keep silent. Sound familiar? His admonition to people to keep silent if they had a tongue was not because he didn't want people speaking in tongues. It's because he's saying, I want, it's it's interrupting and it's not following order and there's no interpretation to benefit the entire body. And so be quiet, is what he's saying to them. Very much nicer than that. Um, likewise... The, um, the case that Craig Keener is making, the case that a number of other people are making, is that with the Corinthian church, um, the, the women, is, and, and typically in, in, in Jewish culture, where women were kept out of the temple in a court of women, or in synagogues where they were um, um, supposed to sit in a different place than the men, um, that they were less likely to be trained in the teaching of the scriptures, and that in these little house churches, where now you've got men and women sitting in the same place, often meeting in a woman's house, <laughs> at least a couple of instances that we've seen um, in the scriptures, that um, they're all sitting together and that the women in this particular church situation are interrupting the speaker with questions that, that it, in a, in the Paul's prescription is saying, look, be quiet, don't interrupt, and go ask at home and learn. Now, Paul, you still sound pretty sexist there, telling me that the only person I can learn from is my husband. Well, Paul is not telling the women, uh, he's not belittling them. He's actually um, doing a couple of things. He's telling husbands to recognize their wives' intellectual capacity and to take responsibility for their wives' education. That in a culture where women did not have the opportunity to receive the same level of education or training in the Scriptures as men, that Paul is saying, guys, what's going to help your church service flow a lot more smoothly is if these um, if these women will go and learn from their husbands at home, and ask him there, and then and then he can explain to them so that it's not disrupting the whole meeting. Okay, um, I hope I hope you're hearing my heart, and I hope it's making sense. Um, the point is not about silencing women throughout all ages. It's preserving church order by ending interruption in services, okay? And this, something I think universal is happening here that is for all ages um, in, in regards to men, it's saying, men, let's be responsible to know the word. Let's be responsible to be devoted to the place of prayer, and to lead by example in our families, that we're the first ones to pray, that we're the first ones to open up the Scripture, and that we're not giving the whole uh, um, uh, this, this, the whole spiritual leadership of our household over to our wives in a way that we're sitting passively. Because I believe it takes husband and wife to properly train a household, but if the wife is carrying this and the husband is on the sidelines, which is too often the case in our day, I think we can take the Scripture and say, men, Be responsible in knowing Jesus in in prayer, in study of the scriptures, and being able to talk about this at home. Engage in the church service even, in worship, in prayer, and in your gifting. But again, this verse is not silencing women throughout all ages. If we took this very literally, it would even seem to suggest that a wife whispering to her husband during service would be completely um, um, forbidden. But I don't believe that's what Paul's saying. I believe Paul is saying, and I'm uh, um, quoting Craig Keener that I thought was very helpful. Um, Paul is saying to the women in Corinth, don't learn so loudly in church. (laughs) Now, you know, I'm really thankful for Storehouse because we we have a community where... I, I love as a speaker to hear feedback from people. I love a yes, amen. that's good. Um, I love interaction. I love engagement and and I don't I don't think Paul is saying sit down like zombies during the whole church service engage. Um, but I've been in situations like this or in a classroom type setting or in a small group Bible study where you gotta chatter. It's been both men and women in all situations for me. And, and a practical instruction that I have to give sometimes as a teacher is, everyone, be quiet. And let's listen, and then we'll have time for questions later. Just a practical thing. We do it in classrooms all over the world. Um, and I think that's uh, similar to what's happening here. So the issue... Um, is not. Um, 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 well, we'll put it in the positive. The way women are trying to learn, rather than women learning, is 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 what's prob- problematic. So, First Timothy. Let's talk about that. Wear modest clothing. Don't braid your hair. No gold, pearls, or expensive clothing. Quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, 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 lots of voiced and unvoiced and going on in that word. Um, no teaching or exercising authority over a man, but remain quiet. Okay, that's getting pretty intense, Matthew. Well, um, first of all, I want to point out I found very helpful from Greg Boyd, who is a pastor and is a theologian, um, as he's commenting on this, is that. Um, Gold, pearls, expensive clothing, it was seen, at least in a Jewish culture, as a sign of haughtiness or pride. In Ephesus, which is uh, where Timothy is, is, Paul is is writing to Timothy um, as he's uh, um, ministering in Ephesus. In Ephesus, this could be a sign of even prostitution. So what it's in essence saying is, and uh, Greg Boyd puts it pretty tongue-in-cheek, is don't dress like prostitutes and don't flaunt your wealth. Um, Dress in a way that glorifies God. And I want to put that in hopefully a more palatable way. Is, is women dress dress modestly, is the principle that we're that uh, Paul is communicating here? Um, but but in Paul talking about specifically braided hair, gold, pearls, expensive clothing, he's being sensitive to what um, 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 how that might be perceived in the culture to which he's writing. Okay, um, and I want to point out today that a, that a number of people that take this particular passages to uh, to prohibit women from any sort of teaching ministry or leadership position, typically don't apply these other things, like braided hair, earrings, bracelets. And we've got to ask ourselves, how are we interpreting these scriptures? So... Another issue with this passage is that uh, this this word and phrasing in verse 12. I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Now, this word here in the Greek, um, I won't go into too many details, but it's not exactly clear. Authentine, that's the word. It's only found one time in the entire New Testament. And it's right here in this passage. Usually, the word in the New Testament... Used um, by Paul, by other writers for the word authority is exousia, exousia, um, and and it it speaks of of a political authority. It speak, Jesus uses it when he says, "I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the evil one." Um, 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 it's it's uh, um, used approximately hundred times. Exousia, Al once. And there's one or two other words used a couple of times as well for hierarchies, for kings and rulers. Um, one scholar interprets this word, authentane as, as more of a, of a sense of domineering or usurping authority. And actually, some of your translations say that. Um, and so, uh, another way to, to, to word this passage is Paul is saying, I'm, I don't allow a woman to take control and dominate and rule over a man. In, a, in usually with a connotation of a sort of even violence <laughs> or, 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 or a, in a way that's inappropriate to the relationship. Um, and, and what's happening, I believe, um, is that Paul is, is what a principle that we can glean from this is that a number of women in the past hundred years have responded to um, abuses of, 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 of male leadership in home and in society and even in the church and have taken a, a spirit of offense in a spirit of domination and control and hatred towards men. And this, my friends, is a spirit of evil. (laughs) A spirit of offense, a spirit of control, a spirit of hate. And a number of women have been hurt, and, and we need to be, sensitive to what women have gone through um, throughout their lives. A number of women that are writing the most hateful things. You come to find out that they've been um, physically or sexually abused somewhere in their past and that that woundedness and that pain has developed to bitterness and hatred and offense. And it's caused to roar against any type of a thing that sounds like authority and to totally throw it off and to gain a complete independence from men. I tell you, that's not the heart of Jesus. And I'm asking you women in this room today, if you have been hurt, if you have been offended, if you've been abused even by men, I want to say we're here for you to help you heal and to to grow through that experience um, that was painful. We want to see you healed, but I'm also telling you, sisters, mothers, daughters in the Lord, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, and I'm even declaring the word of God to you. Forgive. Forgive. And do not let that hurt and offense cause you to project a certain image on men in general or on God who sent his son, a man in the flesh, to die for your sins. Hear my heart. I don't want anyone staying in an abusive situation. Lots of qualifications to make. But we've got, beloved, to get healed in our hearts. And we've got to find a safe place to begin to pour out to the Lord what's happened and to be pastored and loved through those experiences. Lest we will find ourselves rising up in anger and hate towards men or towards any kind of authority in society. So, in this passage about teaching and about authority, I believe once again Paul is talking to a specific community where women were most likely uh, less trained and less educated. Uh, And so his, uh, his heart is not to say that women of all time, of all cultures, are never allowed to teach. It's to say that because of the lack of training and education in this particular situation, I don't want someone unlearned in the Scriptures teaching the Scriptures, okay? Um, I believe that is what's happening. Now, Paul makes quite an uh, interesting connection to his statements here and, um, and the book of Genesis, that Adam was created first, that Eve was deceived first. And so many have taken those very things to to argue that these commandments for women to be silent and to not teach in any way, shape, or form in the church context, some have even taken it to any form of society or marketplace, um, that, um, that 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 it goes across cultures for all times. Um, but the thing that he does in 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking about head coverings, and he makes the same appeal to Genesis, yet many in the church today would not say that wearing head coverings is an absolute requirement for women. And so Paul is making an appeal for a certain uh, um, um, instruction in a certain situation. And I do not believe that we can use his reference to Genesis to say this silencing women in all situations in the church is for all cultures of all time. I just don't I just don't believe we can do that. Some have taken, 1 Timothy 2 and, and 1 Corinthians 14 as the lens through which any other discussion about women in ministry are, are, um, are, are, are mentioned in the scriptures. Um, but I believe that the strongest point against calling these passages as a general rule that women are to remain silent and to not teach or to have any type of leadership or directive authority over a man, I believe that the strongest argument against such a notion is the fact that Paul himself mentions women in leadership positions in the church. And we went over that last week, which I'll come back to in a moment. Um, but here, um, I'm going to name three basic conclusions that people um, that... Uh, do take these passages as, as timeless and applicable for all cultures of all time. Here are three basic things that, that many have said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out a number of reasons why I think that they're problematic. Um, number one, they take 1 Timothy, they take 1 Corinthians 14 to say this, specifically 1 Timothy, um, to say that public in public teaching, in a public teaching setting such as right now, that women are to accept Whatever is taught with no questions and leave the dialogue and debate for the men. Ask your questions at home. Number two, women are not to teach in any type of congregation that involves both men and women. They can teach if it's just women, and often they can teach as children, uh, they can teach children, but not grown adult men. Number three, women are not to be in a role that puts them in authority over any man. So, number of problems with reading these passages in this way. Number one, Paul sanctions many other female workers in the New Testament. Again, we talked last week, Phoebe, um, a, a deacon in the church. First Timothy 3 even begins to talk about deacons in the church. And one of the things it mentions, it talks about men, and then it goes on to women. And even people that have have, have taken uh, the previous chapter of Timothy to say women are allowed to teach, they have even conceded, some of them, um, that 1 Timothy 3 is referring to women in deacon positions, not just the wives of deacons. So a little debate on there, but it's interesting to me that uh, there is at least some agreement that 1 Timothy refers to female deacons. And we see it clearly with Phoebe, who is mentioned as a deacon. Uh, Junia, outstanding among the apostles. Um, um, Nymphos uh, uh, has a church in her house, Priscilla and Aquila, a church that meets in their house. Um, The number of women that Paul mentions as co-workers, co-laborers in the Lord, which he uses that same exact word for Timothy and Titus, who clearly had oversight roles in the church. Secondly, apostles and prophets are mentioned as ministry offices in the church. I opened by reading and praying through Ephesians 4. God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are ministry offices in the church. And 1 Corinthians 11 says the same thing, that God in this church gave first apostles, second prophets. So when we see women in the New Testament, such as Philip's four daughters who were prophets, I just have to read that and say I have to believe that according to these other passages that they held a leadership role in the community. So, also, Paul, as I mentioned, Paul spoke of women praying and prophesying in 1 Corinthians 11. So these passages would be contradictory if Paul is saying they can't say anything in a mixed setting. And also, if we want to apply these passages in, in, in the way that they were discussed in their in their first century and in that particular uh, church context that he's writing to then we have then I believe we've got to apply all of the things head coverings, no braiding hair, no gold, no jewelry. just get rid of it all. <laughs> and there are some communities, some churches that do those very things. Um, and honestly, they're actually being a bit more consistent, I believe, than others. But I've also seen women in such context who have just been silenced and thumbed down, pressed down by, by men their lives and have no voice in the church, and I just, I just don't believe that's the heart of God. And we better start, if we're going to take these really literally, perhaps we should also start taking very literally some holy kisses going around. I said, holy, remember. If 1 Timothy two silence applies to all women of all cultures, then one must say, I'm quoting Craig Keener, any good man's teaching is better than any woman's, no matter how devout or trained, and that all women's teaching is necessarily invalid. I, I meet, I'm in seminary, and I meet a number of women who are getting their PhD, who are studying Hebrew, who are mastering Hebrew and Greek, who are reading their New Testaments, who are studying church history. And and I have found in those settings that a a number of them have have very powerful and necessary things to say regarding the Scriptures. Now, there are others that say some things that are very concerning to me. (laughs) But it's no more than any of the men in that very context. And Graham Lotts, she got up and spoke in a, in a mixed company, and nearly all the men, or, or at least a, a large enough amount of men to be noticeable, pick up their chairs and turn them completely around while she's teaching. And, and I, I appreciate her heart, and I encourage you to just look her up and her, her testimony about this, that she really, she makes sure to communicate that without the bitterness in her heart. And she actually says, this was a very positive experience for me because it caused me to go home and really say, God, have you called me to do this? Am I stepping out of your will? And so she took a, a situation that could be taken as a serious offense to cause her to rise up in bitterness and hate and control, But she took it to the Lord and said, God, I just want to make my calling sure. Am I I in your will? And the Lord spoke to her out of Jeremiah (laughs) and said, I am going to qualify you to do this. You've got to say yes to me. So I really appreciate her heart on it. Um, Also, a number of pastoral issues arise if we if we take these passages to say that women cannot at all teach in a mixed congregation or to have any type of leadership, um, authority, or position, direction over any man. Um, First of all, does that mean that men can't read Christian books by women? I know of one person that takes... Um, an opposite view of, of me in this uh, uh, in this text but then on a number of other occasions is recommending a book called written by a woman <laughs> about Christ's revelation and all of the scriptures and so I'm, I'm just wondering what's what's happening there does that mean as a man she's not allowed to teach me even through even through writing even through um, a, a YouTube video even through a, a tweet anything what how far does this go Um should men leave a room if a woman is on the microphone? Should men pick up their chairs and turn them around? If Tracy or marie or my wife get up here and have something to say. If you do it when my wife is speaking, you're going to have to talk to me afterwards. <laughs> Can women speak at conferences but not at churches? And some people take this view that if it's a conference setting, they'll allow a woman to speak. But if it's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with a lot of the same people, no way. I'm just, What what, what are the lines here? Um, can a woman lead a life group with men involved? If she's leading it, does the men say, you know, sorry, Nymphus, I know we're meeting in your house, but I don't have to listen to you. You know, <laughs> I think there's some problems there. Um, does leading worship count as teaching? If I sing the scriptures, if a female worship leader is up here, do I stop listening? Do I prohibit her from doing that? If a, if a male, if they, if I got a man on the drums and a female who's the worship leader of a church, does that mean he doesn't have to listen to her direction and instruction? Derek, I'm not calling you out. We love Derek. <laughs> Great man. Um, should a man serving in, in children's ministry submit to a female children's pastor? Should a man submit to a female superior in the workplace? I just believe that there are a lot of issues that we have to deal with if we're going to say that this these verses silence women for all time. I just don't believe that. And a, num- and a big reason is not just because, oh, I have this, I want to be a part of this feminist liberation movement in my day. It's I want to be faithful to what the scriptures are doing, which are naming women with giftings and are naming women in leadership. And I want to say, God, what are you doing in my generation? What are you doing today? What are you doing in the church? And what I believe God has spoken to me and that I this not just about a personal revelation, it's about what God's showing in the scriptures and what God's showing throughout history is that God is raising up women apostles, women prophets, women evangelists, women pastors, and women teachers. And I want to say, God, I want to declare that, I want to prophesy it, and I want to empower those women and lift them up as much as possible. Because, beloved Here's what we're doing. We've got the body of Christ going on here. And if I'm telling a woman with a teaching gift that she has nothing to say to me, what are we doing? We're disarming half of the body of Christ, even more. If we apply these verses to all cultures, we're invalidating the way God has used women in church leadership roles throughout history. Mariah Woodworth-Edder, Heidi Baker, Amy Simple McPherson, Cap'n, Catherine Kuhlman, Patricia King, and Graham Lots. I am not willing to look at the scriptures in history and make a theological interpretation that invalidates the work that God has been doing through these women. Paul and Peter made the same decision when it came to eating at the same table with Gentiles. And telling them they don't have to get circumcised and to observe the law of Moses. They said, God has been doing miracles and signs and wonders. And Peter would say, and Peter's own words was, Who was I to stand in God's way? And Matthew Eschivel stands before the Lord today. And I take this in my heart, beloved, hear my heart. I want to know God's will on this. I prayed this over the years. Here are the conclusions I've come to. And the the thing I stand before the Lord and say, God, I want to stand before you at the end and I want to stand before you today and say, who am I to stand in the way of what God has done through these women throughout the ages? So. I want to invite Tracy and John to come up with me. This is our Mama and Papa. And I want to honor Tracy because Tracy teaching back in 2008 in Austin, Texas, and her telling of her passion for the Lord, and what God is doing in the earth before his return and calling men and women to pray and to know God, that is the reason I'm here. God hit my heart. He marked my heart. And I, I met with her 10 days later and I said, oh, I've got all these questions, but I just I just really want what you have. And I honor her because she has been such an incredible leader. She leads our weekly staff meetings. She drives what we're doing here at the House of Prayer. And John, I just honor because he's been such a father to me. He has answered my phone calls. <laughs> he's spent time with me about my life and helping me get it together sometimes and, um, and challenging me to be a man and to lead as a man. And to lead by ex- saying, and leading, and I, what I mean by that is saying, Matthew, you're such an incredible man. Go after this And Jesus. Don't waste your time with things that are hindering you from the Lord. He's been that voice, and what I, how I've seen him treat Tracy, and just this incredibly gifted and anointed woman, and to lift her up, and what she is called and anointed to do, has just really set a standard for me in my own life and even in my own marriage. Um, I wanna, I want to lift up my wife. I want to lift up the women around me, and say, God, there's, there's a, there's a fire in this woman <laughs> and I want her to blaze and burn as much as possible um, so I'm gonna I have them up here to honor them but also to um, to help me pray for for everybody um, first of all um, I want to make um, a call to the men because what I think is a timeless application of these scriptures is to say men let's let's be leaders and what I mean by that is let's Let's know the Lord. Let's be the first to get on our knees when a situation arises in our family. Let's not be drugged around by our wives to church and to reading the Bible. Let's say, God, I want to know you, and I want to release a spiritual influence over my entire family. And I want to lift up the women in my life and what you've called them to do. Um, men, I want to invite you... Um, to stand, if you, um, I just want to invite you all to stand because I want to pray for you. If you don't want prayer, you don't have to listen, I guess. <laughs> um, and men, we we did ladies first last week, and and the reason I'm I'm calling you up first <laughs> um, is that I just your your wives, your future wives, your moms have been praying for you and and just dying for you to have be all that you are in God. And, and I just want us, and I, it just burdens my heart that, that, that they're, that to see people not say yes to that. And I'm thankful for our community who does. So I want, I want, uh, John to pray over our men. Um, in that, along those lines. Yeah. I just see an army of men here.
1: It looks good to see all you guys standing at once. And, um, Anyway, I'm I'm glad to run with y'all. It's fun. You're good people. Let's pray and ask the Lord to just bless us in the context of Matthew's teaching today. Lord, I just uh, come before you this just this wonderful day, and it's a good day, Lord. And as men, I know that um, the men in this house share my heart in this that we want to be accurate. We want to be uh, right on uh, when it comes to the scriptures and we want to do what they say lord that's the whole deal we're not just just playing church lord so i i thank you lord for revealing these things to us i thank you for opening our hearts to uh to lead but also to ch- for challenging us to seek this out and figure out what's right lord and um and lord i thank you for the men here i thank you lord that um that we're hungry and that we're we're pursuing you, and that we're moving forward, Lord. That we are not going to set back. We're not just sh- you know showing up, just dragging in here. That Lord, the men on this ha- in this house are on fire, and they're going. They're seeking you. They're meeting together. They're calling each other. They're going for you, and um, Lord, I thank you that they're challenging me and others. Uh, Lord, even others outside the church. But uh, I just pray you'd help us to stand as men. And come into the full um, authority that you've given us, Lord. Help us to have enough authority that we are feel like you know full-fledged, um, you know, citizens of the kingdom, where we're not intimidated or challenged. But Lord, who are strong enough to lift our women, Lord, our sisters and our our mothers and our uh, our wives and our girlfriends lord that we want to see them to come into all that the lord has all that you have for them And lord, I just pray that you help us to have the right heart on that And uh, to lift them and and be be strong for them And I pray that you'd help us to do our part as men lord as um as kingdom uh, people lord men and women both uh, to come in and uh to to be serious about you know, the work of the kingdom in our lives. Represent our, our ourselves in the workplace that way and be workers for the kingdom. Work as unto you and be honest in our dealings and be be men, Lord. I just pray that. I pray that we would uh, be such um, an example of that that the generations uh, that are coming up would say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian man uh, that, um, that I can relate to these guys. They're not wimpy guys that, you know, just sit around all the time. These are, these are real men like the old school men that ran with you. And, um, and, and they're strong and they're, they're moving forward and, and they're, they're something you'd want to be. So help us to be that in Jesus' name.
2: All right, ladies, let's stand up. Well, Father, I thank you for a strong company of women, God, and I ask you to strengthen us, that you would give us your word, that we can live lives, that, is a, that we are Proverbs 31 women. That we bless our families, that we honor our husbands, that we uh, that we work and um, we bring value to our families. Thank you, Father, that um, that together, men and women together, running together in leadership, that we can set ten thousand to flight. That when we're all engaged, that that we will storm the gates of hell and nothing will stand against us. I just release you into the full authority that God has called you to walk in. And I just declare that nothing will keep you from realizing the destiny and the calling that God has so beautifully put in you. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for the men in this room that are going to help us to get to where you have called us to go. And that together, Father, we will be a great and powerful army for the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Um, ladies, if you'll stay standing for a moment, and men, if you'll stand up as well, um, and if we can have some, uh, some worship playing, I want the, us to in, each invite the Holy Spirit to deal with anything he wants to deal with in our hearts today. Um, for men, I want us to, to Holy Spirit, um, to, to show me how I can really be a follower of Jesus and take the, take the lead by example in loving the Lord and in loving my family. But I also want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if there is in any way that I have I've dishonored my wife or, or, or another woman, a sister, a mother in the Lord, I just ask Holy Spirit right now, you would come and convict me. And likewise, women... I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to strengthen you in your giftings, but also to highlight any woundedness or offense that he wants to deal with today towards men. Maybe a father, a brother in the Lord, a male figure in your life, a, a spouse. Let him reveal that wound, and I'm, I'm telling you today, forgive and let the Lord come in and heal that place in your heart. So um, I'm going to let the Lord minister to you for a few moments, and then um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just invite our, our altar team, if Jeff reached out to you. Also would like to invite um, any uh, of our elders, of our um, pastors and leadership, um, um, and even uh, Rob Hatch and Robert White. When um, I would love for you to come up to just be there to pray for the men um, as well. Um, and... Uh, Shelly, come on up with them too. Um, So let's pray. Holy Spirit, come with your eyes of fire, with those living, those those burning lamps, those burning torches that you know our own hearts even better than we know them. I ask for the men right now, God, that you would show us any way, God, that we have um, set on either sat on the sideline or have, um, have, have dishonored a sister in the Lord, a sister in our family in any way. And Father, for the women, anyone that has hurt them, any man, I pray you would come and highlight this right now and help them forgive and release.